Welcome to the Marketing Automation Discussion. I'm your host, Alex Glenn, and today we have the founder of FOMO.com, Mr. Ryan Culp. And Ryan is the founder of Fork Equity, which buys and grows bootstrap SaaS apps. Now, I brought Ryan on today not only because I was so impressed with FOMO as a product and as an experience, but also because of Ryan's mature understanding of customer behavior and what automation is really about. Now, on this episode, Ryan and I will showcase an automation. This one uses Clearbit on top of Google Events on top of FOMO. Uh, we also talk about uh, why you should be completely transparent in how you got the customer's data in the messaging to the customer. And that revolves around all of your automations. And number three, we also showcase a great automation that FOMO uses to boost brand equity and bring back canceled accounts while also providing social good. That one is the very, very interesting one that you should listen in for. I believe it's around minute 30. It was an incredible discussion. I assure you the 40 minutes that this episode lasts is well worth the time. Enjoy. We send this email three days after they cancel because we tried asking them immediately when they cancel and they're fired up. They don't want to, they would either not respond at all or the people who did were just frustrated, right? They just hit cancel and now we're asking them for even more. Now we're asking them to help us. It's a little odd, but if you wait a few days, right? The cool down period, as they say, like you have to wait 10 days to buy a gun in some states because they know if they just hand it to you, maybe you'll go do something bad. Um, the cool down period is critical. And so we were still able to automate, but also humanize. And that's something I, I hope is uh, done more often as the whole web moves to automation. The whole web moves to automation. 90% conversational marketing. I think I'm joking. The marketing automation discussion. Well, now that we got intros out of the way, let's go ahead and discuss what's going on in the industry. What are some trends that uh, are piquing your interest right now? Number one thing I've been thinking about is customer acquisition cost. I think it's the fuel for why people raise as much money as they raise. I think it's the fuel for why marketers behave more and more dishonestly. And I think it's the reason so many startups or products that could become great companies never get there, uh, customer acquisition costs. And really it's because customer acquisition cost is now synonymous with how much you pay per click and how much your ad budget is. Um, and I think that's a bummer. And so when I think about trends in marketing, but really again, trends in business, it's how much do you pay for customers? Because if you, if you can't afford them, then you don't have them and then you don't have a business. And then the world doesn't get to experience your product and your product is just your point of view of some future that ought to exist that doesn't yet. So that's what I think about. And that's really kind of what our company FOMO is all about is reducing customer acquisition costs by turning your customers into your salespeople. Yeah. I love it. And uh, customer acquisition costs as a trend, obviously, you think about it, we all think about it because it's increasing. Do you foresee this to be an ongoing development? Do you foresee customer acquisition costs to continue to go up? Yes, because it's sort of a sign of the lazy marketer, or the lazy entrepreneur. You know, back in the proverbial day, I wasn't there, but you had to kind of get customers with your bare hands. You know, you literally would go door to door if you were a Bible salesman or if you sold beautiful $700 volumes of encyclopedias. You went door to door wearing a suit, uh, got paid a commission. And now we have technology so we can scale everything we could do, including, of course, the sales process. 
and the most scalable form of marketing, um, arguably anyway, is advertising. And that's fine. But because everyone wants to do something that's scalable and no one wants to knock on doors as we build more and more products built by people that don't like talking to humans, aka developers, then now everyone's trying to compete for the same attention span and they're competing for the same buying dollar. And so it's creating this scenario we're in where um, it's $50 per click if you want to advertise for insurance, for example, right? Uh, probably minimum dollar to $3 a click if you are a marketing SaaS tool, AKA half of the valley. And so that's a bummer, uh, but it presents an opportunity for the rest of us who are okay with talking to humans, who are okay with at least the beginning going door to door, whether that's metaphorical or literal. And that's what I kind of try to focus on in the businesses I work on. Um, ads is the last thing on my mind. It's the last thing I wanna log into. And I kind of hate ads so much that we actually built our own ad tech platform at FOMO that's been growing throughout the summer. Oh, wow. We'll have to find out more about that on a later episode. So. Um, I like what you mentioned there. It's, it's almost a situation where you can expect customer um, traffic, well, you know, ad costs, traffic costs, click costs to continue going up. So if you focus mid funnel, if you focus on the customer's experience with your site, what they see, how they can make sure to continue through your funnel and feel good about it, uh, that is going to be what you can control in the realm of customer acquisition costs. Um, so so I like that a lot. Now we're going to talk to our listeners today about a specific automation using FOMO. Uh, but before we do that, why don't you talk about FOMO specifically as it sits now and then mention maybe a couple things of what you're going to do to stay relevant in this industry. Sure. So FOMO is kind of premised on the idea that you have a lot of assets that you're not aware of when you, when you run a business. If you look at brick and mortar companies, which are the majority of businesses in the world today, everything from restaurants to Walmart, um, they really kind of grow because people see that people go there. It's silly and it's simple. It's intuitive. Uh, but that's it. You know, people opening restaurants in the corner are not typically brilliant marketers. They're typically maybe good chefs or they really love people and they like customer service. But people don't open restaurants because they're really good marketers, but people try to build web apps because they're really good marketers. Um, you know, so what's happening is that online can and should and is finally learning things from offline. And I think that developers and entrepreneurs who work on the web for years thought, well, this is a new thing. This is the new way. It's the web. Therefore, let's ignore how people built businesses traditionally because those are the businesses we're disrupting or something. But actually now we're at a point where you've got Warby Parker, you could say that they're disrupting the Ray-Bans, but now Warby Parker has physical stores. You've got Casper Mattress who says they're disrupting Sleep Number and now they have physical stores. And you could go down the list with brands that started web first and what sort of the ability to graduate as a startup is to actually get a physical store. So there's something there and online needs to learn from offline. And where I come in and where FOMO comes in is helping you adapt from offline uh, that marketing channel of social proof and helping you turn up the volume, right? Because word of mouth, historically or intuitively, we think that you can't turn up the volume on it. It's just kind of the free money you get every month they are the 1% of your customers who had such a good experience, they refer more customers. But what we're saying with FOMO is actually you can make that reliable and replicable. We'll literally even give you a dashboard to prove it. 
And so what we do is we connect to your customer behaviors, whether that's purchases or signups or whatever, and then we show that off to potential customers. And by doing that, we create that cyclical uh, virtuous cycle everyone wants, which is turning customers into customers, reducing your overall customer acquisition costs, and therefore helping more products exist on the web. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think a good analogy is maybe even um, building that line out front of your store, making sure people are in your store continuously. That's what really draws people in. It's, it makes you think what's happening here that I'm missing out on. You know, why is this, you know, why is this so popular? Why are people gravitating towards this? And using testimonials on your site, um, that it helps, but it's it's gamified, you know, or it's um, it's easily manipulated. I, I would say so. That's right. You know, making sure that you're showing social proof in a way that is not easily manipulated, or at least it shows transparency to your customers. So the trust pilots of the world do this pretty well making sure there's at least a third party source, whether that's a technology like FOMO or even a third party platform that's feeding those customer uh, reviews or those customer touch points or those interactions back in so that people on your site for the first time can say, hey, you know what, I, I trust this. I see that someone else is using it. I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. So I like what you that's said right. there and you mentioned um, we're we're going to talk to you know, who should listen to this. Obviously, anybody with a website and a product to sell on their site. Um, but uh, you said developers who hate marketers and marketers who hate themselves. So uh, maybe just <laughs> elaborate on that real quick. Sure. Well, you know, I, let's go step by step. Right, developers who hate marketers. It's almost uh, redundant. Um, and uh, in a way, I'm kind of calling a big group of developers a little ignorant here, and that's fine. And that's why you see developers pairing up with marketers to get things done. And marketers are likewise helpless to build technology. So it's a perfect pair. But uh, developers hate marketers because marketers are, are now just lying to them to get them to give them their money. And uh, developers work really hard for their money, so they don't like doing that. And developers build things with their bare hands, but marketers rely on clever things and influence to get their job done. So developer sees this big gap in, well, everything I do comes from following the laws of physics, right? Computer science. And that's how I get things done. But then for you to get things done, I see you bending the truth. I see you doing fake urgency. I see you discounting. So they're not even working from the same base. You know, one person's tapping into physics and science and one person's tapping into maybe art at best, if you want to call it that. So developers a lot of times hate marketers and marketers hate themselves because they measure the impact of their different strategies and campaigns. And marketers will A-B test, let's say, a subject line. And the subject line that says, urgent, do this today, gets more opens and clicks than the subject line that says something you might like, right? And so marketers hate themselves because they see that, you know, I want to behave this way, but when I behave that way, it works better. I'm conflicted. And so our approach, again, with FOMO and just me in general is actually the most clever or transparent copywriting is just telling the truth. You know, you don't have to read Ogilvy on advertising. You don't have to take a bunch of copywriting courses, in my opinion. I've never taken a copywriting course, and I'm really proud of a lot of the copy I've written or helped write on FOMO's website and others. You know, our new website is actually going to say, I've, I've not shared this anywhere yet, but our new website's coming out soon. It's going to say, honesty is the best marketing. Okay, that's our tag. And underneath it, we've got a nice illustration of this fat Italian chef. 
and there's someone calling him, presumably five miles away. They're calling him on the phone, you know, asking for a reservation. And he says, we don't take reservations and we're open until we run out. Right. So it's just honesty is the best marketing. And then two honest facts that could be said about a restaurant. And actually some of the world's best restaurants behave exactly this way. I was just at a barbecue spot in Lubbock, Texas. I called them. Do you take reservations? Nope. How do you stay? How long do you stay open till we run out? Right. And this is all over the world. This is cross-cultural. And what did, yeah. What did that do to me? Exactly. I hopped in my rental car and went over immediately. And so honesty is the best marketing. That's what we believe. And um, I think developers are increasingly becoming and developing marketing chops because they want to build their own things. And that's great. And marketers increasingly are learning to code. That was the path I took a few years ago. Um, and we're learning the laws of physics. And I think once you go, uh, once you see success and just telling the truth, there's no other way. Um, and that's what we're trying to exemplify. I love that. I love that. You mentioned a few things. We don't have to dive into detail, but I think to summarize all of that, you want to be transparent. You want to make sure that your customer experience on the web is as if you are that mom and pop shop, that everything is what it is. It's what it seems. The people that are here are shown to you. Uh, we have this, this, and this, and nothing else, and we're not going to lie to you. We're not going to manipulate, manipulate you. We're going to be exactly what we are. And that is where I think you you hit the nail on the head with marketers who hate themselves. You, know, you don't want to have to game anyone in order to achieve the results that you're expected to achieve as a marketer. So tools like FOMO allow you to do it. So this is perfect. You're the perfect person for this. And uh, I'm excited actually now that we've gone through that because it becomes a little bit more than just this automation that we're about to discuss. I think we hit some really awesome points there. And everybody listening, hopefully you agree that was incredibly valuable. So um, let's talk about the automation and let's talk about first, what are the tools that we need to go ahead and get this automation set up and running? Sure. So you need to know what your customers are doing, how they're behaving, what they're looking at. That's content analytics. That's the way we think about it. And then what they're actually doing, which is your product analytics. And they're two different things, right? So that's why having Google Analytics and Mixpanel, for example, is a good pair or Google Analytics and Heap or Segment or whatever. And I don't necessarily advocate or endorse one tool over another. I've used them all. And most recently, we started building our own analytics in-house. Maybe a waste of time. I don't know. Um, it's more fun that way anyway. And so now we have something internally called audit logs. So we see if people are updating their settings or using this debugger or deleting objects. We look at all of that and we run uh, analysis every so often to understand how could we make the product more usable? How can we make it better? And so first it starts with the baseline, having, having analytics of what people are doing. And those tools could be anything you want, but you have to understand um, what they're not doing as well. So that's- so Are we talking, you do need event analytics. We're not just talking about URL goals in GA. We're talking about either Google events or Mixpanel or a heap, but you need to know click actions. Is that required for this automation or are we just- Basically, yeah. I mean, because you know, a lot of people think about an automation as just a trigger email after some time, but time is not sufficient you know, for the context of that user. So you know, we could send an email to someone after three days um, that sort of prompts them to log in and do something, but it's a lot more interesting. Let's say someone clicks, um, send code to my developer or they're on the embed snippet page or they hit, uh, I'll do this later. Well, now we know something more about them. We know they're not a developer. We could email them in an hour later and say, Hey, you know, 
can you CC a developer to this email? We'll get them started. So now we're using contextual analytics, not just plus four hours, minus two days, which is what I think a lot of automations look like underneath the hood. Um, we really want it to be customer focused. And that means understanding what the heck they're doing. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And Google does have um, pretty good. It's getting better and better. Their event attribution mm -hmm. platform It's free for Google users. So check that out. All right. So we have analytics going on. We've got our events coming through. Um, so what's next? What's next is uh, we build basically cron jobs, right? So these are just tasks that run every five seconds, every 10 minutes, every four hours, every Friday, any type of schedule you could, you could fathom. And we run these jobs. We have few dozen of them that do all kinds of things. Some of them clean things up in the database. Some of them email users. Some of them turn features on and off based on how something's behaving. Um, and really the, the premise of all of that is automations help you scale your, your business without scaling your people. If people were free, we wouldn't have automations, right? If every app had an open API, we wouldn't have Zapier. So kind of like understanding why do automations even exist is the first part. It's not in my opinion, to be cool, right? It's not like, isn't this neat? It's, um, hey, here's something that's really critical that we've already demonstrated helps us grow our business, helps us with our personal temperament, helps us deliver better customer service. And if only there was a way we could codify it um, into an automation, then we would do it. And so our approach is actually, first we do that. We figure out if something's even useful to customers or to us. Um, and if it is, we take the next steps to automate. But I think too many people go automate first. They're like, oh, it'd probably be neat if uh, every time someone got charged, I sent that to a spreadsheet and that got sent to a PDF and I did all this in Zapier. Yeah, you could do that. Uh, but do you really need a Google Drive folder full of everyone's invoice if you can just log into Stripe and hit download invoice or send them their invoice, right? Um, so it starts with kind of, does it even matter? Um, and so for us, what we found matters is getting people onboarded as quickly as possible so that they can experience our product before the free trial runs out. And we also have identified that understanding those folks who do leave, why did they leave? So we can prevent it in the future because we invest in people when they come on board. We'll do a phone call with them. We have live chat. So if they leave, um, it's not just a loss of their monthly revenue. It's that the, the biggest loss would be that we didn't learn anything. Um, and so the automations we've set up are sort of um, how to retain customers, how to onboard customers, right? More so than, uh, than the acquisition. Um, and I could go through a few or I could talk about FOMO, um, whatever would be most helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to talk about FOMO. Um, I think as far as the audience goes, all the stuff that we're talking about, this is really interesting context. And, uh, at the end of the day, you know, tying it back to, like we said, customer, um, acquisition, you know, CRO, we want to make sure that we wrap this all up into a revenue generating practice for the listener. So we're going to do that. And, um, and I like what you said about cron job. So you can imagine, you know, you've got your triggered automations going on and that's, you know, some of those could be internal triggers around invoicing and some of those could be, um, customer facing triggers around messaging. But, um, you know, at the end of each day or, at the end of each week or each billing cycle, you run these cron jobs, you make sure to capture a lot of bulk data and analyze that data and even trigger automations to groups and segments that come out of those cron jobs. Um, so that could be stuff that you set up, um, you know, Heap does this, obviously some, you know, event analytics software does this, uh, do this. So you can either create those segments manually and just have those, 
or you can create dynamic lists that just get built based on events and actions uh, that happen and occur. So um, highly recommended as a best practice. And that also helps you then automate, I'm sorry, optimize your automation. So you may have an automation running, but then you've got this cron job that ran and it's been running uh, maybe a few weeks and you're starting to see something, whatever that is, right? Then you can go back and tie that data back into your automation to make sure those are being optimized continually based on the results. So you mentioned a few things and I think, you know, yeah. it's going to be obviously a, a little tough to uh, wrap it all up into how it fits into your business today. But just in short, you know, it's, it's really good best practice to make sure that that's kind of happening in the background and you're continually capturing those segments and optimizing accordingly. Um, cool. So uh, you mentioned Clearbit too with this automation. So you don't have to mention why Clearbit's necessary right now, but is that part of the automation that you want to discuss? Sure. So, and actually I just pulled up our code. So I'm looking at, we have a, a, a block of um, our code base that's literally called marketing automation. So it's just a folder of files and these files, I'll read them off. They're downsells, recommendations, referrals, team intros, testimonials, upsells, and Twitter. So that is FOMO's entire marketing automation stack. It's literally in a folder called marketing automation. You're going right? to export that as a zip file and you're going to share the zip file. <laughs> and then I'm going to send that. <laughs> well, it's all in Ruby, but if people want to, you know, paste it in their own app, they, they're, I guess, welcome to. So for example, one of, one of our automations, um, and this kind of, I think, gels well with kind of what we're talking about with how FOMO works and what that is and then how we retain folks is that, um, you know, on our own site, we know from personal observation and from reading and from looking at the data, I think Intercom kind of popularized this a few years ago, actually, that your sales cycle looks like this, right? This funnel and your customer buying cycle looks like this. And so that's why things like retargeting are kind of hard because people don't simply go to your site and go away and then come right back from your ad. They're kind of like thinking about it, or maybe they're traveling, they're waiting to their home so they can receive the package. There's so many reasons why people kind of seem to be, if you're just looking at analytics, seem to be frivolously five second attention, whatever, but there's probably potentially pretty good reason, right? Cause I browse the web and I feel like I'm pretty competent, but if an analytics platform analyzed me, they'd probably think that I'm crazy. So um, our buying cycle or our sales cycle is different from the customer buying cycle. So what that means and how we try to solve that at FOMO is by a uh, feature called page rules, right? And a lot of apps have page rules for their own use case. Ours is that depending on what your visitor's looking at, they may not be ready to buy. And of course, your goal of your site is to buy, but it should also be to educate. And it should also be to um, maybe persuade a little bit into your point of view. It may be to encourage them to come back six months later and buy, or maybe that they see your site, they think it's so funny and cool and well-designed that they just tweet about it and they never buy, but one of their followers does. You just don't really know the second and third order consequence. And so the context of your visitor is super important. And so one automation that we have, for example, if you go to FOMO.com slash customers, that's just a page of all of our reviews um, and we update it daily. And um, if you're on that page, the only FOMO notifications you'll see are us resolving support tickets. It's not people starting free trials. It's not someone upgrading their account. It lets us lets you know, Arnold just resolved this ticket with so-and-so. Andrew just did this, right? And so to us, that's the best information we can arm you with as a visitor when you're on our reviews page because you're curious, what do people have to say about FOMO? So all we want to communicate to you is that we take support and customer success very seriously. 
we don't care to sell you. I mean, we want to sell you, but we're not taking that opportunity to sell you. We're taking that opportunity to, to show you uh, what we're all about. So that's one example. But let's suppose someone's on that page and they convert. They say, wow, this seems like a good tool. Let me give it a try. They have a free trial and they come in our app. Well, we have a bunch of integrations. We have a bunch of features, a bunch of things you could do. It could be a little overwhelming and we're always working on that. Um, but one of our automations, and this is using Clearbit, is we crawl their website and we look at all the different technologies they're being used on the website. So Clearbit has something kind of like builtwith.com. They'll tell you, oh, they use GA and they use Google Tag Manager and they use WordPress or whatever. And then we match those things they use with the 66 or so integrations we have. And we say, oh, they use this, they use this, they use this. We even look at whether they use, let's say, VWO for A-B testing or Google Optimize or Optimizely or, or whatever. And based on the things they use, if we have compatibility, if we integrate with those or even have blog post guides about those tools, we bundle all that up in a nice email. And within a couple hours of signing up, you'll get an email that says, hey, here's some recommendations for you specifically because we scanned your site, right? So we see you use WordPress, we connect with WordPress. We see you use Visual Website Optimizer. Here's our blog post on how to run a split test of a, a FOMO using Visual Website Optimizer. And so we just add value. So that helps us achieve um, retention and activation, uh, but it also helps us tell that story of onboarding and acquisition on the front end because they might've come to us thinking, this does specifically what I need. They logged in and now we delivered on that promise. Um, and so that's one example of, of something that I think um, technically it's not too difficult to set up, right? People create records in our database. Every hour we look at those newly created records, send them to Clearbit. Clearbit tells us what they have. We do a little magic to map them with what we have and we send the email. Um, but because FOMO is so tied or dependent on integrations, that's sort of our whole business is connecting with other apps. It's been for us an excellent way to onboard new users versus trying to send them again, some clever copy written email, you know, here's from the founder. Hi, hello, please respond with any, you know, just every startup does this, nobody cares. And so instead what we say is, Hey, here's some tools you can plug in right now. And here's direct links to them. Oh, and I love that. I love that. So for everyone listening, um, users that come to your site, if they're logged into uh, Google analytics, for example, you know, they are logged into Chrome. Uh, Chrome associates that to a Google Analytics account. You can go ahead and patch into that data and receive their URL, you know, what website they're on. I'm sorry, what website they own, right? Or at least they're uh, connected to via Google Analytics. From there, you can use Clearbit to enrich that website address with a bunch of tools that that person has installed pixels on that website and then use that data to match with your integrations and say hey they use these two integrations let's fire a you know a little notice a notification this could come even through intercom or user.com or whatever chat tool you have and let them know when they're on that page that hey have you checked out our integrations we have a nice you know vwl i see use vwl you don't even have to call it out that i see you use it but um you could just mention hey check out our integrations we have a vwl integration one that's true too and that's something else i think is getting lost or getting uh made complex with automation is that people sense the need to hide if an automation was involved right so you get a cold email that says hey i was browsing your site and i noticed that it's like but it's a total lie you weren't browsing my site and you didn't notice anything. You know, someone emailed me yesterday. They said, 
it was such a bad email. I actually tweeted it out and included their address because I think people ought to be shamed. And uh, they said, I noticed you're the founder of FOMO. It's like, you definitely don't notice. <laughs> you don't notice who's like, like, I noticed you're the founder of Coca-Cola. Like, that doesn't, that's not how it works. And so uh, I shamed them. And, and the fact of the matter is, if you automate something, just own it. So that email I just mentioned where we send them recommendations, I thought your advice uh, was really keen, right? You said, hey, you don't have to say, I noticed you saw VWO. You could just send them the VWO article and they'll actually probably just be inclined to think, oh, wow, what a, what a good luck sentiment, right? And that's fine. What we do, and that's honest. And what we do, I think, is also honest. We say, we scanned your site, right? We, we don't say we noticed. We, we give the technical jargon, right? We scanned your site because that is what we did. We scanned the site. We didn't say we were looking at your site and we noticed. Um, and so I think that's really key. And I think you can, you can still personalize automations and you can still humanize them, I should say, more so than personalize. We think personalize just means like merging in a name. You know, but uh, but humanizing means being contextual. So, for example, another one of our automations is when someone cancels, we send them an email that says, "Hey, if you if you give me a reason why you canceled, um, I'll donate ten dollars to any charity." So, respond with why you canceled and a link to a charity. We'll make a donation in your name, and then we'll, of course we send them the receipt so they can see the donation made in their name, and it works really really well. But we send this email three days after they cancel because. We tried asking them immediately when they cancel and they're fired up. They don't want to, they would either not respond at all or the people who did were just frustrated, right? They just hit cancel and now we're asking them for even more. Now we're asking them to help us. It's a little odd, but if you wait a few days, right? The cool down period, as they say, like you have to wait 10 days to buy a gun in some states because they know if they just hand it to you, maybe you'll go do something bad. Um, the cool down period is critical. And so we were still able to automate, but also humanize. And that's something I, I hope is uh, done more often as as the whole web moves to automation. Yeah, and if you do it right and you're transparent about it, people will understand that you're taking the time to really know them. You've done the research, right? Even if it is bot driven and scrape driven and API driven, at least you've taken the time to understand exactly what that user wants and why they're on your site and given them a specific use case on how to use your product based on the data that you've gathered on them. And you know you may not be right 100% of the time, but you'll be right nine times out of 10 and the customers will respect that. So I think that's a good best practice. Make sure they know that you did get the data from here and you're letting them know based on that, that uh, we have that integration and you know, go ahead and check it out here. Here's some more information. Don't be pushy, but you know, give them the information. That's one-to-one -one marketing. ABM, whatever you want to call it, something that we want to preach and talk about a lot because it's definitely necessary, more and more necessary every day. So we've got an automation using Clearbit to enrich data based on Google Analytics login or based on um, some tags on their site. Uh, and we have an awesome automation that you just mentioned and you glazed over it. But, um, you know, when someone has canceled, getting them maybe to uh, maybe back in your funnel, but not even that. It's more a just a respect, um, you know, customer loyalty, appreciation. Hey, you gave us a bunch of money and maybe you canceled and you may not come back, but we're going to do our part as a brand and make sure that you respect us. And then it could possibly avoid any sort of um, bad mouthing that could happen negative word of mouth from that customer, but that's not even your goal. Your goal is really just to 
just to make sure that their overall experience with your brand, even though the product may not have fit the need, uh, is positive. So I did want to ask, is the, uh, is the automation, I'm sorry, is the link to actually donate into that charity? Is that an API driven thing or is that a manual process? All with our bare hands. Yeah. So the only automation is the email to them at, you know, around the 72 hour mark from, from when they canceled and then they reply. And actually it's pretty often where they reply and they don't actually include a link to a charity. They just give us the feedback. So I think the email made them feel good enough that, oh, wow, they're genuine. FOMO's genuine. They really want my feedback. They're willing to pay for it. So they just give us feedback. And then I usually have to pressure them. Great, great points. Thanks. Um, do you have a chair? I have to remind them, right? You have a charity. They tell me that. Then I have to kind of click around, convert pounds to dollars, whatever, get subscribed. I actually have another inbox now that I use at FOMO to sign up for all these charity donations because you know you can uncheck the box that says I'd like to receive emails, but they email you anyway. Those, those boxes don't do anything. Um, it's like the close button on elevators. Yeah, it's, it's just a morphine drip button that's not connected to anything. So, um, you know, so we do that all manually, but it's really effective. And like you said, the byproducts, the point is not, but the byproduct is that people end on more of a positive note. Um, now suddenly FOMO is this altruistic brand in their eyes, even if they don't use us and that might stick with them. So that's nice. And, and also what we found, and I think this is true for really any, just about any website business, any SaaS app is that the people most likely to ask for or to kind of demand a refund are the kind of belligerent people who canceled on the the second to last day of before the trial ended or something like that. You know, so they, they kept it going. And sometimes we honor those refunds, but we also have a spine. So we're not a classic Valley startup. We don't have this culture of like, oh, just always refund people. Sometimes people are malevolent. Sometimes people are trying to steal from you and we're not cool with that. And so we do our small part by enforcing our refund policy most of the time. But this automation that says we'll donate $10 to any charity kind of helps those people who may have otherwise wanted to ask for, let's say, a $40 refund because our minimum pricing plan is $39 a month. Now they get this opportunity and then I'd say, you know what? Forget about it. Uh, again, the cool down period is passed. We're now presenting them a genuine, sincere opportunity to help someone uh, and also to help us. So uh, I think it helps in a lot of ways and that the network effect from that is probably bigger than we even know yet. We've we've only been doing this charity thing for a couple months and we've gotten, let's say, 15 or 20 donations in the bank. Um, but prior to that, for 11 months, we would tell people we'd give them a $20 Amazon gift card and we had around 13 responses in 11 months. And now we've had 20 oh, responses yeah. in about one month. That's yeah. huge. I think if anyone can yeah. take anything from this, I mean, that that is... That's enormous. Not only just the premise of changing, uh, changing the whole post cancellation, uh, you know, email process of hey, you know, leave us a review, we'll give you some money. You know, taking that and doing some social good, but what that does for the customers, obviously, I mean, you're 10xing your responses from that. So that's huge. I would love to know kind of where that builds on the renewals um and how many of those customers may even come back in i'd love to love to find that out if you ever get any data on that um and then i will look into if i can find a link to it i know there are some platforms that allow you to that have an api that allow you to do charitable type stuff like this so we can maybe even uh, link to that if you do want to automate the post cancellation here's a link to 
pick a charity and donate whatever you want. Um, that's something that I think we can do. So we'll, we'll check that out, but, um, back to the, uh, back to the main premise. So we have FOMO on our site. We're notifying users based on what, um, other products we know that they use. When I showed up on the site, I got a Google analytics, uh, icon, and then I got, um, a message that said other marketers. It said, uh, something about welcome and then um other marketers like you see how they're using fomo i mean that was one-to-one about as one-to-one as you can get so um that's amazing um i love the product and let's just do um, a final kind of word about fomo specifically in this automation and uh how that connection works with actual fomo's uh fomo's api on your site sure so Probably the biggest differentiator one of with FOMO and some of the other tools like us out there um, is that it's super flexible. So that allows us to show those kinds of messages that um, something from Google Analytics versus something from Intercom or live page views or in, you know Instagram photos, whatever you want to show off. Um, and that's that's kind of based on our API. So like what you just mentioned, we have this thing called events and templates. Your templates is how you arrange information. So X did Y, Z minutes ago. Uh, and then events are the actual pieces of data, very structured. So the number five and the letter John or the word, you know, this or title blue shoots. And so when we put that together, it allows you to kind of just dream up what you want an experience to be like. And then using things like page rules, et cetera, you can craft that visitor journey so that, like we mentioned earlier, someone on your reviews page only sees reviews and someone on your pricing page only sees people upgrading and someone on your help center only sees, you know, maybe new features they could enable, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it goes beyond, I think, what some people's interpretation are of, of, of products that do show that social proof kind of uh, widget experience in the corner is that it's 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 all checkout based it's all hey you know someone from texas bought your product um it's not just that it's much more than that it's it's so and so is is reviewing this page it's so and so that also uses the same technology as you is integrating blank it's it's so and so customer support rep has just closed this ticket out um all of that it's everything is imagine a virtual busy you know, store, you know, a butcher shop where people are coming in to grab their stuff, but then there's other people eating over here. And then there's, you know, there's maybe a conversation happening between the chef and somebody over here. And it's just, it creates that, that, you know, storefront for your website, which I think is, is really awesome. So it allows you to do that with a simple installation. Pricing is negligible for what it does. It's, it's just a no brainer for me. So um, let's, let's wrap it up here. You've been really generous with your time. Uh, I think we're on 40 minutes now, so let's end it with a call to action. Where can they find you? I mean, what's most, uh, relevant for you specifically, and then what can they do to get started with FOMO? Sure. So anyone who's interested in my rantings and ravings about marketing and what's wrong with it, um, you can follow my blog or my Twitter. They're both just Ryan C. Culp, ryanccolp.com at Ryan C. Culp. And uh, if you want to learn more about FOMO, we're actually through, um, through this podcast, we're going to offer um, a free month. We usually have a seven-day free trial, but we're going to do 37 days free. So seven days plus 30. Um, I think we're going to have that at FOMO.com 
slash go slash automated. Um, let's do automated podcast just in case. We, we presented at the automated conference. Automated podcast, yeah. One word. Cool. Love it. So FOMO.com forward slash go forward slash automated podcast, all one word, no hyphen. Perfect. I love it. And we'll link to this obviously right below. Um, Ryan, this has been awesome, man. Super insightful. I think we touched on more than what we originally intended, but it's all value. And thank you very much for the time. And I look forward to uh, trying it out. And I'm going to get a couple of sites started pretty soon here. So I'll fill you in on how that goes. Kick ass. Thanks for having me, Alex. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. Yeah, 90% of the conversational market. I think I'm joking. The marketing automation discussion.